Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. Las Vegas is a place everyone wants to visit, and the city government realizes that makes public safety their top priority. But how do you prevent those kind of events that put the public in danger? Today, you'll learn about something called ShotSpotter from Daniel Lawrence, Senior Research Associate from the Urban Institute. Later, we'll continue our conversation with Sam Ratcliffe, the driving force behind Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a great show that combines dog talk with music. And as always, our regulars are here as well. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is back with a legendary downtown hotel and casino for you to check out on your next visit. Our favorite realtor, Katie Madrano from Flipping Vegas, is back today. What do you do when you meet a couple that has completely different must-haves on their wish list? Well, we'll ask Katie. The Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford, is here. Today, Michael talks about financial discipline. And finally, Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back with his favorite wine spots outside of Europe and the United States. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go tonight. Let's go tonight. Let's go to Vegas. We'll stay up all night. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's get away. We all remember in Las Vegas the horrible day of October 1st, 2017 with the mass shooting. And we spoke a couple months later with Mayor Carolyn Goodman, and she said we're going to do everything possible in the city of Las Vegas to make sure not only does something like that not happen again, but safety is the ultimate issue. In that matter, there's a thing called Shot Spotter, and Las Vegas has it, and we've got somebody on to talk about it, which is fascinating. It's Daniel Lawrence, Senior Research Associate of the Urban Institute. Daniel, first of all, kind of tell us what Shot Spotter is. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. And um, Shot Spotter is a gunshot detection technology, which is a tool for law enforcement agencies that uses a network of acoustic sensors placed throughout a city, typically in high places and, and, and in high crime areas. Um, and these acoustic sensors, they triangulate firearm discharges so that the department can be better notified and officers can respond faster to shooting events. And the Urban Institute recently conducted evaluations in Denver, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Richmond, California, where we assessed the implementation, use, and impact of this technology. Do you see a change? I mean, is the community safer? It's a great idea because especially places where you've got, unfortunately, a lot of possibility of gunfire, uh, time is everything. Sure. And yeah, we looked at this in a number of different ways. The Urban Institute looked at this um, by examining uh, how departments are made aware or notified of of shooting events uh, and the response times of those events, as well as how this technology may impact crime in the communities that it's implemented in. In terms of um, departments becoming aware of shooting events, gunshot detection technology um, is hands down uh, notifying departments of shooting events much more than the traditional 911 calls from community members. So looking at um, Denver, Milwaukee, and Richmond, in each of those areas, we saw 
large increases to the amount of shooting events that officers were then responding to after the technology was implemented. And what was critical here is, is um, aspects of seasonality and time of day. So what we learned is that when community members aren't present in the community, so overnight when they're sleeping, or when it's colder outside and they're more likely to be inside because of the cold, right. at those times the technology is much more likely to notify departments of shooting events because community members aren't present in the community to hear them and call the police. Right, and it's got to be a little more reassuring as somebody goes out to deal with this you kind of know what you're going into, right? It's not somebody calling them up with a, either a decoy or maybe they misheard that. I mean, they, they know that what they're going for is something that's serious. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we found that we did interviews with police officers, and they, they were much, much more trustworthy of gunshot detection alerts than they were of community member calls. Not that community member calls weren't valid, but that they had less accuracy because a community right. member would call and say, I heard a shooting but it, I don't know exactly where it was. It was in this general area. Um, this is where I am. But the officers would then have to take a more cautious approach to those events as opposed to a gunshot detection alert, which is literally a pinpoint on the map. And in many cases, we talked to officers, and they said they would arrive at that pinpoint and look down, and there would be shell casings on the ground. That's incredible. And now this may be an ignorant question, but bear with me. How do you differentiate or how does it differentiate between a gunshot or maybe a a firework or something of that nature that is a similar sound? Yeah, so the technology uses this network of acoustic sensors to um, identify any acoustic anomalies that occur in in an urban environment. And that includes things like cars backfiring or construction noises or even helicopters going by. And when, that, when the technology is, identifies those acoustic anomalies, it actually sends information, in this case, to the, technolo- the vendor that we evaluated was ShotSpotter, and they're located in the Bay Area. So it sends that alert to ShotSpotter, where at their headquarters, they actually have um, human technicians who observe the wave files and assess the, the audio to confirm that it's a shooting event. Um, they then publish that alert. It goes back to the police department and into their dispatch system, and then officers can begin their response. And that entire process from, from the shooting event to the officer beginning their response happens very quickly. It can be within 30 seconds to a minute. Wow, 30 seconds to a minute. That's incredible. And I guess they also know then if that's the case, whether it's a single shot or whether there's numerous shots, right, and you can kind of follow this, is there some sort of way where they kind of monitor the entire flow of this you know, campaign, if you will, of whatever uh, gun activity there is? Sure. This is especially relevant when it, um, if they make an arrest and then they have a court case. We interviewed prosecutors, and they said that they would use the audio files in their case to identify um, uh, the, the motive for a shooting or whether or not the shooting was in self-defense, because the audio files include the, the, the shots um, that, that, that occurred, but they also include other things like um, people yelling or uh, other noise that might be picked up during the shooting events. Um, so they can use that to then um, identify who shot first or was there one shot, multiple shots. Um, you know, it, they, the technology is even capable of identifying if the, the shots are spread out so it looks like it's coming from a vehicle and it's actually traveling faster than a person would be running and shooting. Um, so there's a lot of ways that this information can be processed to inform the, dispatch, the patrol officers who are responding, letting them know what kind of event they're actually responding to. Daniel, what have you at the Urban Institute found in terms of uh, the response to this by 
community leaders, by politicians and so forth? I mean, have people actually mm-hmm. questioned the invasion of privacy? Because now it's, you know, I, I could imagine somebody could see this as Big Brother listening. I mean, obviously this is for people's sure. safety, but some people are very uh, sketchy in that regard. Sure, and that's understandable. Um, it isn't open in, in public space. Um, it's not a technology that's constantly recording or constantly, you know, picking up on people's conversations or anything like that. It does collect a, you know, a segment of an audio file when there is a shooting. So if there's a shooting that occurs, um, there is a, typically it's like two or three seconds on either side of the shooting event. Um, So it does pick up that information. More with Daniel Lawrence, Senior Research Associate from the Urban Institute in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas Insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Looking for a new place to check out in Vegas? Scott suggests the Four Queens. It seems like people are having fun in there, if nothing else. They are having fun. That obviously is a, um, what do you call that? That's the result of clever marketing. Uh, If every casino has winners, the people who are really on top of it in social media have communicated with their floor staff that if somebody wins... Grab a picture. We need to share that in social. But I love that the, that you can kind of shape that public perception that certain places are just luckier. The irony, of course, with Fort Queens is it's one of my favorite places to gamble. So I actually believe the hype because it's worked out for me. Certain places are just cooler. Fort Queens is cool because I think the slots are looser. I also love that they have a photography-friendly uh, policy. They're one of the on- only casinos I can think of, maybe the only one that has a sign that says, hey, if you're in here, feel free to take photos. Nobody does that. Maybe Stratosphere, uh, but those are the only ones. And so I love Fort Queens for a number of reasons, but a lot of it is, oh, they also have a very generous loyalty club. So if you go to the Four Queens, grab your loyalty club card, make sure you use it because they actually... Are, they're paying for your food as you play. By the time you're done playing, you're probably going to get something great at Juana Taco, which is a great taco place. Uh, Magnolia's is their cafe. If you play enough, you're going to go to Hugo's, one of the best restaurants in Vegas. They've got a lot going on. Scott will be back again next week. Remember to check out VitalVegas.com every day. When it comes to Las Vegas, nobody's better than Scott Robin. You can also follow Vital Vegas on social media. It's everywhere. More with Daniel Lawrence, Senior Research Associate from the Urban Institute, in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Daniel Lawrence, Senior Research Associate from the Urban Institute. So the, the technology, the gunshot detection alert is really a starting point, and it's how it's integrated and used in investigations um, that's really crucial for the department's success. Also, in a place where maybe it's not a high crime area at all, but there's just a large uh, gathering of people, like, for example, we remember the shooting in Las Vegas, okay, is there a possibility of that being set up in such a way where, as the technology gets better, at least even the people around there 
they'll know immediately where that shot is coming from and it kind of at least eliminates that kind of search for and you know kind of doing it the hard way waiting for the next shot to see where that's coming from where they, they it could increase uh, the response to that yeah so in terms of like the accuracy of the technology they the the vendor themselves have a i believe it's like a 25 meter radius around the around the pinpoint and that's just for a sake of um of, uh, of being safe in their in their technology but we found that through interviews with officers and sergeants, um, they typically will they'll find people you know testing a firearm uh, during a private sale in their backyard, and they'll find the pinpoint on you know the back porch, and they because it's a pinpoint that the the vendor sees that the officers can also see, they can then go and follow up with that um, resident and say, hey, we we believe there was a shooting occurring here. We want to clarify what was happening and then, and learn more about that, and it can be very very accurate. Um, Second part of your question was in terms of response time. So we looked at response differences of gunshot detection alerts um, compared to those traditional 911 calls for service from community members. And in each of the cities for um, shots fired, um, which are just those types of 911 calls where community members say, I heard a gunshot, I'm not exactly sure where it was, we found that officers responded much faster compared to those events um, for gunshot detection alerts. Um, roughly 30 seconds to uh, three minutes, uh, three and a half minutes faster. And what was interesting about this was that it wasn't that officers were um, treating these types of alerts differently or these types of shooting uh, notifications differently. They weren't saying, this is a gunshot detection alert, I need to respond faster, or this is a community call for service, I'm going to you know, take it a little bit more cautiously. The, the increase in response time really came from the technology being able to notify the department of the shooting event faster than a community member can notify a department. And we saw large increases in the speed that departments are notified and then therefore an officer can then be assigned and begin their response. Incredible. Last question is really involved with training. And I know you say this, obviously, uh, this is most effective when it's thoroughly incorporated into training. Is that going on right now? And is that kind of the plan as this thing is released throughout the country? that really uh, there has to be that part of the, the training and the implementation is just so important to really make it as effective as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And we found across each of the three departments that training was very light for this technology. In most cases, it was a very um, short, you know, less than 20-minute conversation with recruits about this is an additional tool that you can have and use in your responses. Um, we learned that Training itself was implemented unevenly across the departments, um, also across time. So when it was first implemented um, in these agencies, you know, years ago, at that point, there was a lot of excitement around it. And because of that, they had longer training that went in more depth. Now that it's been, you know, out for a number of years and they're used to it as, a, as an agency standard, the trainings are, are much um, they're they're not as intense or as, as detailed. Mm-hmm. We also found that there are very few trainings for um, other stakeholders in the department, such as crime analysts, who can use the data from the system, from gunshot detection technology, and create crime reports or, um, you know, weekly or monthly reports to identify hotspots of shootings. Or even um, in Milwaukee, we saw that they were using this information to identify um, gang shootings and and, uh, retaliation of gang shootings and try to get ahead of the curve to prevent um, future shootings in the form of retaliation. So there's a lot of data behind the scene that's important to these agencies as well that can be used. um, But if they're if the crime analysts aren't, aren't even familiar with the system or they're not using the data um, and then they don't learn about it through training, then they can't use it and create these types of reports. 
Well, as you can hear, the Urban Institute does some great work. Daniel Lawrence, thank you so much for being with us. A couple things before we go. Uh, where do we find out more about gunshot detection technology? And then secondly, if we just want to get involved with the Urban Institute and see what they're doing every day, where do we go? Sure. So gunshot detection technology, there's a few different vendors out there. Um, our evaluation focused on ShotSpotter. They're the, the, um, they're the large vendor in, in the field on this. Um, the Urban Institute, uh, we're located in Washington, D.C., and uh, our website is urban.org. And we have, um, and I say we as my, uh, my team that worked on this study, we have a number of publications coming out on this evaluation, but there are a couple things out on, on already that you can find on urban.org. Daniel, thank you so much. We enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks so much. Time now for Luxury Living Vegas Style, featuring the star of TV's Flipping Vegas, Yadi Madrano. We want, you have HGTV out in the lobby and so forth. And one of the things that always cracks me up with these shows, House Hunters, is I'll go out and the two people will absolutely want two different things. As a realtor, what do you do when somebody, you know, one person's telling you, I want a, you know, a, a one-four thing all the way across. The other person wants to, you know, two or three levels, that kind of thing. What do you do? That's so funny because that happens so much. I actually did a meme on um, my Facebook page that was like when the husband and wife finally agree and it was like the silly like hands up in the air because that's how it feels sometimes. There are actual times that I'm walking through a property, they are not on the same page and I, I, I literally walk away to like, <laughs> I just kind of look out the backyard and let them work that out. And But I also have been working with people for so many years that I can assess it. And that's actually part of my job, and people don't know that. And realtors that don't know how to do this are not very good realtors. You have to properly assess what is their motivation, what is most important to them. And I'll sometimes just ask them directly when I feel like they're just all over the place, what actually is the top five things like that it needs to have deal breakers. Figure out their deal. And then it helps me better assist them. So if they're all over the place, I get them to focus, and I just ask the questions that are insightful that I've been asking for years that are incredibly helpful, that it helps them, helps them actually come to the realization what it is that they want, what's important to them and what's not. And that usually helps mitigate, create a bridge, if you will, (laughs) between husband and wife, but they eventually do. And they'll have, so when I see that, and again, another kind of marriage counseling session, like, okay, well, what, what really matters here and what matters more and what, and then you can also, by hearing their conversation, you can assess it, you can help them out. And at the end of the day, you want to make everybody happy. So They'll only be happy if they they know that they're getting what they want, and they have to first identify that. You can see Gady on Flipping Vegas on the DIY Network, and you can contact her at GatyRealEstate.com. Do you want to get in better shape? Well, it's never easy, but if you contact FitFab2020 at gmail.com, they'll help make it simple and easy to follow. More importantly, this program will help you achieve your goals without costing you a small fortune. They've got many options to address your individual needs. Check it out by simply reaching out to Christine at FitFab2020 at gmail.com. That's FitFab2020 at gmail.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchie nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to you in part by 360debtfree.com. We've been taught that a 30-year mortgage is necessary if we want to own our own home. 
But that's simply not true. You can have all your debts, including your mortgage, paid off in five to seven years. Find out how. Go to 360debtfree.com and get your free ebook, Turn Your Debt Into Wealth. That's 360debtfree.com. Time now to continue our conversation with Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a rock and roll show about pets, people, and popular culture. Sam and I were just discussing the issues with welcoming a dog into your family. The worst part about having a dog, probably, <laughs> is unlike a cat that will use a uh, sandbox, the, right. uh, the dog will go to the bathroom. You have to get him to that point to use uh, the wherever you want him to go. Yeah. Is there an easy way of doing that? Or? Again, positive reinforcement training. It can be anything from a little, um, I forgot what they call them, but it's like a, a, a piece of ribbon. It's got a couple of little bells on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like those Christmas bells. Right. And you can put it near the door and you teach the dog that when you go out, the dog has to touch the bell with its nose, oh. ring, and then you know, my dog's got to go out. Yeah. And you reward that. You know, or you've got a new puppy, you're going to be going in and out of your house quite a lot throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. You just are. And you're going to praise and you're going to use a little treat uh, or whatever it is that motivates, motivates your dog. But take the time to do it. Don't be lazy because yeah. you'll have a longer time trying to get that sorted. It's, such, it's much, so much better. It's it just is. happier, right? Who wants to be yelling at somebody? Or, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's honestly, my dogs come and tell me. My dogs have very different um, ways of telling me. Food, treat, bathroom, get off the sofa, you're in my spot. <laughs> they do that to Jim all the time. He goes, what are they barking at? I go, you're in her spot. <laughs> and he'll get up and off she hops and she's fine. She's like, thank you. But they, they're very distinct. I know exactly what my dogs oh, want. Funny. They have different sounds. What kind of dogs do you have? I have a, a Jack Russell, a Parsons ah, Jack Russell, yep. who I got from the Henderson Shelter. She's 13. And, and when the weather's cool, she's a five mile a day dog. Wow. I mean, she's amazing Better shape. Yeah. And I found Mr. Twix, who's a less apso. I found him. In the desert here in Las Vegas. Really? So someone, well, had, someone had clearly dumped him and out they there. they get along well They together. do. They get on really yeah. well. I mean, he's got short legs. Sometimes he's like, let me catch up. And he's about five, you know. Let me catch up, Thornton. But great temperament. But when I got him, I mean, I had a challenge on my hands. First of all, you've never seen yeah. a dog in, in worse shape than you would ever imagine. I mean, yeah. matted beyond. Uh, his ears were bleeding. I mean, that poor oh. dog. I mean, filthy beyond. And I fell in love with him the minute I caught him. But it took six <laughs> hours in high heels. So I was like, oh, this dog. <laughs> I literally finally got him. He ran, ran out from the desert into the park, into um, basketball court. And he ran in and I closed the gate and I just flopped on the floor. And I went, come here if you're going to be with me. And he came right up to my leg, pressed against me and fell asleep. And I thought, oh my gosh. And he stunk to high heaven and I thought he was fantastic. And uh, <laughs> all my friends rallied around and a friend groomed him that night. And the most fantastic little dog ever. The lashes out here is amazing. Uh, but he wasn't used to people yeah. and he was not used to other animals. Uh, but he was very resourceful. So um, I'd walked him in the park and the park, park keeper was there and he said, did you catch that dog? And I went, I did like a few days ago. And he mm. said, we've tried to catch him. He'd come in from the desert and he's so smart. And I said, how on earth has he survived in this heat? And he said, yeah. well, let me show you this. And he had a big pile of stuff behind a, behind a bush because that's where he would be. He yeah, said he would yeah. take stuff, which he's still like that at home now. He said, but when the bubblers came on under all the plants and the bushes, that's when he would go and have a drink. Oh, that's He's great. so smart. He's a smart, dog. He's a smart dog. But it took time and yeah. it took how I introduced him to my other two dogs, because I had two dogs at the time, Galaxy and Miss Thornton, um, 
we thought he had, he had worms anyway. So I'm like, he has to be quarantined in my house and we made him an apartment <laughs> in my spare room that was so fabulous, you know. But he got to hear my dogs. Yeah. And then I would exchange toys out. So he, it's a good idea. So you kind of get used to it yeah, at his pace. The paces, smells, the sounds. And then, I, yes, I exchanged their toys and stuff. And then gradually we made the introductions. And that's how that happened, you know. But you, know you said the radio show talks about pop culture. Yeah. From a pop culture thing, you, know, you said Jack Russell. Well, that, that always, for a while, that was like one of the hottest dogs because I'm Frasier, Eddie, that's right? That's right. You know? And I, it seems like we sort of go into those things, don't we? We you know? do. We do. There, there's an unfortunate fortunate side to it because people go you know I love I want a Jack Russell and then they go oh it needs a lot of exercise and whatever <laughs> I don't want the Jack Russell anymore so you get you do get uh, there's a negative side to that yeah. you know Lassie Oh, uh, right. 101 Dalmatians, people wanting Dalmatians. I mean, those kind of things. Paris Hilton with the Chihuahuas, that oh, was yeah. a big explosion. And then people just didn't want them because, you know, they were like, eh, they're not really an accessory. <laughs> you know? got to do your research. That's gotta the lesson of this. got to do your research, you know. And we do fall in love with these breeds. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're in these movies. And you're like, I want one of them. But we're falling in love with what they look like as opposed to who they are. Yeah. They all have their own personalities. They do. Know? And, I mean, if you're going to actually rescue it, a dog. Most of the rescues will let you have the dog on the weekend for a trial. Oh, that's good. Which is a really great thing because then you get to figure out if you have (laughs) the constitution for that and what it takes. You get a little taste of that. And then you see if the dog fits with your family or if the dog fits with your other pets. But it's a great thing to be able to do a trial and get to know them, like you said. It's, It's not about looks. Yeah, they're cute, but you've got to understand, you know, your dog. Well, let's talk one more thing. I want to talk to you about the rock part. So you say you rock and roll music. Well, that interests me. So tell me how that works and how do you pick, you know, what do you like? Oh, my gosh. Well, married to a musician. (laughs) Right, right. One of the really best. They might not know him by name. He's an amazing, amazing, well, he's sax, flute, clarinet. He's an amazing musician. He would never pat himself on the back. He's that kind of guy, you know, works extremely hard at his craft. And um, so we've got all kinds of music playing at home. I mean, I think music is a mood thing as well, wouldn't you say? I mean, I'm a massive, massive Prince fan. Ah, But then you throw on like Elise Regina... I'm thrilled, you know. I think it's all a mood thing, so I'll listen to pretty much anything and anything. I mean, I like anything from, like, dubstep. (laughs) (laughs) So people are like, really? You know, house music. I mean, whatever I feel like. And I like classical music, and I like to pretend I'm conducting the orchestra when I'm in the car. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Jim's driving, and I'm doing my um, air conducting, I call it, (laughs) where I'm faking it and pretending. But I like all kinds of music. I really, really do. It's all about about mood for me, definitely. and how it can change your mood <laughs> if you need to change it. Sam, I know you're involved in a lot of different things. One is Rockin' for Rescue. Kind of tell us what uh, that's all about and what kind of events you've got going so, on. So, Rockin' for Rescues, what we do, me and my partner, Pam, Pam Webb, and our husbands. Well, it's really me and Pam. <laughs> <laughs> we just made them do all the heavy lifting when our events yeah, happen. Right, well, but what happen. we do is we keep animal rescues funded. So we're not a rescue. But what we do is we raise every, money every single day of the year to support rescues. Now, currently in Vegas, we've supported 30 rescues. It's a lot of rescues. And it's covered everything from food 
treats, surgeries. We've, we pay for quite a few surgeries, uh, boarding, training, whatever it is they need that we can make happen, we do. So we'll do, we'll fundraise sometimes just simple stuff on Facebook. We do a lot of giveaways. We have tons of giveaways, tons of stuff to give away. And we basically say, you know, make a donation yeah. and you'll be thrown in to, you know, in the part to win. You know, one Very of our cool. amazing T-shirts. Our T-shirts, I'll tell you, our T-shirts and our, our swag is amazing. It is amazing. Best quality. It's cool. You want to wear it. Yeah. It's a guitar pick. It says, you know, pick a rescue dog. Very, very hip. We have uh, quite a few um, rock celebrities that wear our stuff. You know, we've, we've yeah. yeah, we've got stuff sent out to all kinds of people. But basically what Pam and I do is raise money. So it can be through something as simple as that online. Um, we have a, a deal that we have with Yankee Candles that we do. That's really great for us. Uh, it's online, so it doesn't require too much manpower. You know, we're online, we get that running. But then we do some big events in the year, and our biggest is the 80s hairball. Mm. And it's huge. And we're, next year will be our... No, we'll be doing our seventh one, November the 7th this year. And then we just planned our one for Vegas. That'll be in Iowa, that one, because my partner's in Iowa. When she wow. moved there, I was mad. I was mad. She moved and left me. <laughs> so she started an Iowa Thank division. Thank God for the phone, right? She, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she started the Iowa division. I'm taking care of Vegas. And our Vegas 80s hairball is 2020, March the 7th. More with Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio in just a few moments. Time now for statistician, actuary, and expert in gaming odds and probabilities, the Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford. Today, Michael talks about how to not lose more than you should. So as somebody who understands the odds and so forth, how important is it that people decide that there's a limit of how much they're going to spend? Because these numbers are going to get you sometime. They just have to. I don't care how lucky you are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For the recreational gambler, the first thing I preach is to think of it as a cost, as a form of entertainment. And I'm trying to tell you how to get that entertainment at a cheaper price. Nevertheless, it's still something where you should expect to lose. So go in there expecting that. Set a budget. Don't overdo it. And don't get too emotional about it. I don't put a great deal of emphasis on exact money management systems like like stop when you lose this much or this much time. I like to say that when it's no longer fun for you, that's a good way to walk away from the table and do something different. The Wizard returns again next week with more advice. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You're listening to Sam Radcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio. And yeah, and then we look at what the rescues need, you know, and at Christmas we'll do a supply drive. We ask them what their wish list is because each rescue is different. They all want different things and different food and different toys and beds and size of things. And we say, give us your wish list and we try and make their wish come true. You know, we have, we have these crazy big boxes we wrap in, wrap in Christmas wrapping people <laughs> across the city, all across the city. <laughs> and uh, those businesses help us get supplies in and it's really amazing. The community's great. So that's March the 7th. Where's it going to be again? March the 7th in Vegas. It's going to be at three Sheets Craft Beer Bar in town. Uh, it's downtown. Great couple uh, from San Fran. They've got they've got a three sheets in San Fran as well, and they actually give us the venue. 
which is to me so generous and uh, it's a great place it's got a massive courtyard now we don't normally t- ask people to bring their pets because as I said there's a guitar playing contest going on right, it gets it really busy it can be a little chaotic um, and I think it's harder for sometimes people to enjoy when they're worried about their dogs right, exactly. and you know and, and you know if you've got a dog that doesn't like crowds then you should not be bringing your dog right. anyway so we prefer people don't bring their dogs to, right. to the event itself because it's really more of a people event it, yeah, but it's great we sign up particularly with people that are thinking maybe I'll fly in for that Oh, something. the easiest way, in all honesty, is to go to our Facebook page, which is, which is Rocking for Rescues, and that's Rocking No G, and it's the number four. And you'll see on our events, I just put the event page up yesterday. <laughs> so it's there. So click on the event that you're interested or you're going, and you'll get all the updates as they come. Um, or you can just go to our website, which is rockingforrescues.org. Um, or you can find me, okay. Vegas Rock Dog Radio, because, of course, I'll be sharing it on there, you know, a great deal. <laughs> in fact, to the point people get sick of it, I'm sure, like, oh, here she comes again. Oh, it's another prize, though. That looks good. <laughs> Keep them interested. That is great. Let's do a little matchup real quick. Of I'm going to give you four breeds. Okay, I want you to tell me what music fits best for each one of these four, and they're kind of different. You, everybody knows what they are, so right. let's do that. One would be a poodle. What would you do for a poodle? Oh, a poodle. I think a poodle would really like uh, musical theater. You know, like Hello Dolly or something like that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, musical theater. A bit of, uh, what's his name? Um Oh, that wrote all the amazing musicals. Ah, oh, my brain's going. Oh, uh, Roger and Hammerstein yes, or whatever. Yes, yes, yeah, any of those. Of I think yeah. that suits a poodle for sure. Yeah, no, that's, I like that. Here's a different one, a beagle. A beagle. Oh, my gosh, a beagle. Oh, they have such amazing little personalities, those dogs. Uh, they're very tenacious. I would say... I would say... Ooh, I would definitely say rock. Some definitely, some, maybe some soft rock because they have a lovely soft side to them, but they got a little edge. <laughs> okay, yeah, a little bit. I like that. Everybody's favorite dog seems like the golden retriever. Oh, the golden retriever! I think the golden retriever would be maybe a little bluegrass. Maybe some country. Just an easygoing kind of dog. I love that breed. They always look like they're going to serve you. Hey, what can I get for yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's great, though, that time of match, match music up with dogs. I mean, and funny. last one, the St. Bernard. Oh, the St. Bernard. Big and fluffy. What would that be? I would say, I don't know. I'm going to say Disco. <laughs> Really? I would have gone with the Guns N' Roses. I think Axl Rose. Rose. They're carrying around the... <laughs> oh, the big keg. The, the, the keg. big keg. Of, yeah, the right. keg, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, maybe a little jazz where they can have a little, little whiskey. You there know, you listen right, to exactly, jazz. Yeah. You know? <laughs> with a shaker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. I like that. I like Sam, that this has been a delight. People have got to listen to Vegas Rock Dog Radio Show. Now, how, where do they find that? You know, honestly, the easiest way is just go to our website, VegasRockDogRadio.com. You can find us on Spreaker, Spotify, Spoke by SiriusXM, uh, Sonos, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, <laughs> pretty, yeah. And pretty much any podcast app that you have on your phone, just search the radio show and you'll find it. You know, we've tried to make sure we're available to anyone all over the world. And, and we do have listeners yeah, from all absolutely. over the world, which is really exciting. The organization is rockin4rescues.org. Dot, dot org, that's right. It's plural, right? It's rescues. Rescues, yeah. yes. Okay. 
And Sam, if somebody wants to reach you, what's the best way? Because I'm sure people might have some questions for you. Through my website, I would say, because what I've done with my Facebook page, because as you know, you get <laughs> you get messages every which way possible oh, these yeah, days. Right. Email, text, DMs, this, that, and the other. So even on our Facebook page, it will still direct you to our website, Vegas Rock Dog Radio, and shoot me an email. And yeah, and I, do, I answer all kinds of questions and connect people. I'm a, I'm a connector anyway of people anyway. So when they say, do you know of a good trainer? Oh, yes, I'll connect you with blah, blah, blah. So I do like to do that for people, oh. help them out. And we will be out there in March of 2020, and we'll hope to talk to you again. It's going to be fantastic. I just can't wait to see your outfit. Are you going to wear, like, leather chaps or something like that? Oh, I don't know if anybody wants <laughs> to see that. I don't know if anybody <laughs> wants to see that. With uh, the metal belt. <laughs> in the 80s. Wasn't the 80s the, uh, maybe well, I could wear a suit and tie well, with a three-piece suit or something. You could totally be one of uh, YMCA. Oh, what are the village you people? Cowboy. You could be the cowboy. That's eighties. <laughs> yeah, that is eighties. I'm going to put that in the seventies, though. Oh, you could be. Now, oh, you could just be the, because yeah. <laughs> you're like I want to. I really want to forget that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be a good look. There's for so me. much. I, I mean, like know. some people come as like Pac-Man, and you know, just pop yeah. culture things. You know, not just come as a big Rubik's cube. Dead easy. I like that Rubik's cube. That might be po- one. colored post-it yeah. notes on it. You're good to go. It's a simple costume. Not comfortable, but simple. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you so much. Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back this week. For the last few weeks, Eddie talked about wineries you can visit in the United States and Europe. Today, Eddie takes a look at the rest of the world. South Africa is a fabulous place to visit if you've never if you want to go someplace really different. South Africa reminds me of Honolulu. I lived there for 10 years and it it looks like Honolulu does and they have fabulous wines there. Then you flip over you go to Australia and New Zealand and Australia's got tons of great great blend wines and stuff like this. So the you know the the wine world is vast and it's a hobby that uh can give you pleasure for the rest of your life, and you can just kind of dance your way around to various different countries. I will say this, when you do home entertaining, have a theme. Don't ask people to bring their favorite wine or something, because then you've got a hodgepodge of all kinds of stuff that doesn't really make any sense. So you might, I think if, if I were you, what I would do is go, you know, we're going to have you come over and we're going to do a Beaujolais tasting. And there happened to be eight crew Beaujolais, eight different cities that specialize in this, and you buy all eight of them, preferably from the same vintage, because it's unfair to compare wines from two different vintages because the growing conditions are different. You pick the eight wines, and then you tell your friends, come on over, and we're going to split this. So everybody, you know, you bring eight people over, and everybody buys a bottle. So that way, you have designed the tasting so that they learn the difference between all these different villages. Don't ask them to go out to try to find it. They can't. They won't. It's too much work. So you've got to do some of the legwork. Thanks, Eddie. Join us again next week when you'll meet world-renowned singer Giada Valenti. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms out there, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go!